well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Ryan's gay, and Clark is gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Hello. Uh, welcome to our extra issue of Wonder Woman 1984. I'm Adam. I'm Kaylin. I'm a pretty messed up loser guy. <laughs> and I'm Ryan. <laughs> uh, we are reviewing Wonder Woman 1984, so spoiler warning for all those who enter. We've also actually got an extra special guest, New York improviser, and what I assume to be some sort of TV producer, Katie Ozog. Katie, tell us about all the cool things you do in life. Wow. Well, you mostly covered it. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I am some sort of TV producer. Uh, I work in true crime TV, and I like to think of myself as someone who dabbles in comedy, but in this day and age, I guess we're all comedians. I don't know. <laughs> that was stupid. Ew. You You're not very, anymore. Katie, you had a very <laughs> successful Instagram live series over the holidays. So, you know. Katie, I feel yes. like we all dabble in true crime now. <laughs> and, that's, and that's why, yeah, it's a real it's a real opposite day. Everyone's doing my job. I'm doing everyone's job. Yes, I currently live alone in a studio apartment in New York City. So I, uh, if you want to catch me just crying live, you can tune into my Instagram. <laughs> it's riveting. It's riveting. Um, thanks Katie uh, you're welcome wow <laughs> what a great way to kick it off I know now Katie's one of our Katie's one of our very good friends comedian friends from DC who moved to New York she's absolutely wonderful um, check her out on all the things we're so happy to have you on Katie thank you so much for being here uh, thank you for having me awesome let's dive in uh, let me give you all a quick synopsis before we get into our thoughts on the movie set several decades after her original movie, but also decades before Batman v Superman and Justice League, Wonder Woman, played by Gal Gadot, finds herself in the neon glitz and excess of the 80s DC. By day, she works at the Smithsonian and cavorts with her mentally resurrected boyfriend, Steve Trevor, with Chris Pine reprising his role. By night, she goes on dates and gets into scraps with fellow coworker Barbara Minerva, AKA Cheetah, played by Kristen Wiig, all while attempting to understand the increasingly confusing machinations of Maxwell Lord, played by Pedro Pascal. Running in about two and a half hours, Patty Jenkins takes us on a roller coaster of being careful what you wish for, filled with all the prerequisites of the superhero genre. The sequel wraps with Steve back in his previously vaporized body, Cheetah potentially on the prowl, Max Lord hopefully under arrest, and Diana having learned a lot of new powers she'll apparently forget over the next 30 to 40 years. Um, so pretty, pretty divisive movie, I would say, in terms of the responses. It released on uh, Christmas Day on HBO Max and in theaters. Uh, want to get into it with you all, want to go kind of in order. So let's talk about like we usually do. Uh, first, what makes the second iteration of Wonder Woman the best? Uh, Katie, would love to hear from you first. Oh my gosh, what? Okay, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready. Um, here's the thing. I watched both films this week, so it's really fresh for me. Um, and okay, I'm prepared. Big fan, big new fan of the Wonder Woman franchise. And you know what made this the best for me? The child actors. I would say <laughs> there are a lot of child actors in this film that really carry it through. And you're thinking back, wait, what are you talking about? So many. Think about the girl at the mall who had that great little winky <laughs> moment. The son, the son of the, of the evil TV man. Amazing, so many lines for a child actor the children who were saved in Egypt somewhere and then clearly were dolls when they fell to the ground. It was very funny. That really was very strong for me. Um, also loved the romantic role reversal of, uh, I feel like Chris Pine, is it? Is that who we're- Whatever that deranged- There's a lot of Chris's out there. Person. He was really, I mean, I loved the makeover sequence we got, the real starry-eyed reaction to all the planes. It was a very kind of like Meg Ryan-esque performance. So those are two strong points for me. Yeah, I hear you on the rollover. So I've loved uh, in both of them that there's obviously a very clear gender flip uh, that you mostly see in, that you don't usually see in Hollywood action movies in particular. Ryan. I, I think it's the best, and this is stretching, obviously, because I, I'm not a huge fan. So, uh, but the, it's the reason why it's the best. It's we get to see these characters again in roles that they're very good at, and it's well acted by the characters that we already know and love. 
Um, so it was Why? nice. Okay. To, okay, well, you you can I, talk later. Um, uh, <laughs> but I I think it was nice to see these characters again, and especially with the year that we had, it was a nice fun romp to watch with your family at home and see like a big blockbuster movie. After that, I will shit on it, Clark. <laughs> I'll, I'll go now. The only Perfect. thing I liked. The best, the best thing about it is the line I said already. I'm a big messed up loser, a pretty messed up loser guy. As Pedro Pascal, pa, I think that was his last not line in the movie. It's yes. the whole. Okay, I'm I, I'm trying not to be awful. I do love the fact that you can just randomly say, "Oh yeah, it's the Fourth of July," and not be like a jackass. So I'm never gonna think of the Fourth of July without thinking of Wonder Woman. So thank you, Wonder Woman. That actually, it's so funny you mentioned that because I, as watching, as I was watching this movie, I was like, everyone should write a movie that includes some sort of holiday in it. Because now Wonder Woman is both weirdly a Christmas movie and a Fourth of July movie. <laughs> Kayla, what are your thoughts? Um, I, like Ryan, I'm gonna have to stretch. What's the best? Um, I liked the 1980s setting. Like that was kind of fun. Uh, it was fun seeing being. DC natives, um, I think uh, it was fun like seeing our city and a fairly semi-realistic portrayal of DC. I'll get into why it's also the worst a little bit later on of why it's not. Um, and I will say like Chris Pine um, can act his way out of anything. Like I, I, I think he's delightful. Uh, I think he was probably the best part of this movie, um, even though there's some problematic aspects of it, but I'm trying to be positive right now. So the setting and Chris Pine. I will say that. I like it. I, I've got to say, uh, first of all, I'm not stretching when I say the children were the best part. That's a real <laughs> thing, I believe. You Second are. of all, I really just, I, I want to layer on to what Kaylin's saying and, and, and say that for no reason whatsoever is this set in 1984. There's no explanation. No. The first movie, as someone who just saw it, ends in modern times. Like it's not, there's no reason why to the naked eye, to the yes. to the little to the little fresh DC Comics mind, and yes, I did have to look up: is this DC Comics or Marvel? And now I know it is DC Comics. Sorry that I just admitted that. It's Washington <laughs> DC Comics, Washington. And that's, DC I Comics. also wondered: is that why it's set in DC? I don't know. There's no reason. Yeah. A real good marketing tie-in. There's no reason. I I will I will say um, since you mentioned that the the era of where where it's set there's a way that they could have made it relevant but they completely missed the mark but we're getting into negative stuff and i want to yeah. hear adam i want to hear adam's positive like why this is the best yeah i i thought it was a beautiful movie i like the cinematography a lot i, I thought it like again i don't think it painted a realistic picture of dc in the 80s but they did with what they had because they used literally local improvisers for some of the scenes i think carol and Penn <laughs> is actually in one well, of them. I will be doing a deep dive on that. So yeah, okay, good. So much. we'll come okay. back to that. But I just thought a lot of the the shots for DC were nice. Obviously, I wasn't. I'm talking about like real, like the real fight cinematography, not CGI stuff. Um, and I, I really did enjoy the first two acts. I thought they were they were really interesting. I found them engaging. I loved that it didn't take the normal course of a Marvel tight ninety or like a. Uh, tight 110 minute, like it definitely breathed probably a little bit too much, but I, I just enjoyed that. It just felt like a very like older 80s, 90s Hollywood movie. And I kind of enjoyed that because I don't, you don't really see them that often. Everything is like very, um, very marketed, very tight up. And I do think I'll get into my negative, but I do think there was more studio influence because both movies, Wonder Woman and two, one in 81 and 84, they have a similar quality, but there's always something that kind of mucks it up. So. Flipping gears. What? Katie. Well, can I say one line quickly? Yes. W Wonder Woman is a rapist, and that's going to be um, no. it forever. You know, wow. it's a statement of fact. It's a statement it. of fact. Yeah. Sorry, Katie. Keep going. No, no, no. Let's. Let, I think we're all going to agree that's the worst of the worst of this movie. Yes. So let's okay. talk can about I that first and make sure that we clear that out of the way, or at least can like, I give it the weight that it needs. Because I don't want to like, I want us to be able to talk about that, but also obviously talk about the other aspects of the movie. Can I riff on that just really quickly? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yes, I agree with Clark completely. It completely soured me on the movie, but in the comics, she's actually a murderer. Uh, and so I guess, oh, they're trying to make a slight improvement, maybe? Rape, but not I don't know if rape is better than murder. 
Wow. Yeah, they're both this, bad. I, they're wow. Both. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, Katie, how did you see the sort of mind swapping consent? Talk about what you mean. What, by yeah. Rape what is that? Well, Clark, yeah, you there was not it. a rape okay, scene. Let's, but there let, was... me, let me lay out some. Let's lay out some groundwork here. Yes. It's yes. we can all agree there's a consent problem in this film because yes. for no, again, similar to the settings of setting of the 80s, there's absolutely no reason why. He has to be a different person. We barely see him as a different person. A glimpse in the mirror, that's it. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. weirdly at the end, when you're like, oh, is she gonna fall yes. in love with this man? <laughs> Who knows? That was never explained. I, so it's just very- yeah, That felt added later. Yeah. Like, what did we do? Yeah. Yeah, so that was, I just don't really understand why it had to happen um, Couldn't at he all. just have been reborn? And then course, people yeah. are like, where's your ID? And he's like, I don't have one. Did she like, wish for him that's to better already? Body? What? Did she have him? Did she wish for him to be in someone else's body? Well, we, I, you know, maybe she did. Maybe, maybe she did. Yeah. So, that, so that she could sexually assault a man who's in a, like another world. It's what? true. And you know, I recently heard she was a murderer. So like it's possible for her. Well, and what's actually more frustrating about it is like, it's, it's like she already had a monkey paw problem with the fact that she was losing her powers. So, and they never even talked about like, you're stealing this life's man, this life's, uh, man's life, Steve. Like man. we should give it up. Like you have to, we have to get rid of you because you're eating away at this man's aura. And it's like, nope, it's just her powers. So that, that was definitely ridiculous, Katie. Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know. Have we fully moved into the part where we critique yes. the film? Yeah, yeah this is okay. what makes it the worst. We're in it. And this now is the worst. Let me, so, can I drag yeah. it quickly for one second? Sure. Just, just sure. sorry. I, um, I think another issue is that we did have um, consent issues. You remember when Barbara is saying no, no, no to that drunk man and like knocking him across the thing? So yeah. why are you dragging this one consent issue and having one that's completely fucking psychotic that we're just not even paying attention to? Addressing, yeah. Wow, that's that's powerful. That's powerful. And that actually leads me to an issue. I mean, yeah. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I'll just lay it <laughs> on. Lay them out, Katie, lay them out. Well, what I was, I, what I was going to say is the whole idea of her losing her powers and everyone's losing something in order to gain their wish I don't feel like that was communicated clearly. I didn't oh, even realize no. she was losing her powers. Or, and also, or that you could resend your wish and it's all, uh, oh, you, you undid it all. This was a chaotic wish, yeah. wish the, little the, rock. The or if you're Gina, you can just do a second wish. Oh my gosh. Katie, so, Sorry. If so, you're Cheetah, you can just do a second wish. True. Yeah. I'm gonna re reset us. I'm gonna reset us, and I'm gonna That's talk about. I'm gonna talk about the object itself because yes. this was a part of the plot that I did not like. This object was originally introduced to us as what was seemingly a fake, a, a cheap fake that these world-renowned scientists were like, "This is cr a piece of crap. Like we don't even care about this stupid <laughs> little thing." Then suddenly about three quarters of the way through, we find out it's actually the Forrest Gump of historical objects. And it's been in every single picture, cave drawing. It's actually yeah. all throughout history. What? That's all I have to say about that. Kaylin? So, okay, since we're getting into the negative, uh, we've definitely <laughs> talked about the consent issues. And I've uh, recently watched the entirety of I May Destroy You on HBO Max. And Clearly, like if this was in set in that in that storyline, uh, uh, Arabella uh, would say this was a consent issue, and she would have read Diana for filth for this. The other things that are problematic about this, you know, and it kind of riffs off what I said that was positive, is yes, it's set in DC in 1984, and there are two black people. Yes, yeah. DC is. A, is a majority black city or certainly was in 1984. It was uh, called Chocolate City. Right. It was, yes. I was trying not to use that phrase because I'm not African-American. Uh, but uh, yes, you're right, Clark. Uh, that's absolutely problematic. And then the other problem I had with it was linked again to Diana herself. Her entire personality was driven by the fact that she missed Steve Trevor. That has never existed in any iteration mm. of Wonder Woman that she pines for, pardon the pun, pines <laughs> for a man. Uh, and it's just, and that was inadvertent. That's usually when I do well, Ryan, when I, when I back into a joke like that. But um, it, it's like, uh, 
I don't even know why this was called Wonder Woman, except for the fact that she wore the costume and Gal Gadot starred in it because it didn't feel at all like the movie. And it was weird because I know you saw the first one too, Katie, where the first one, even though it has problems, really got the character right, which is why people loved it so much. This one, like, it's like, it's like it was a different director, different writers, a different cast, even though they were remarkably the same. And then the last thing I'll say, as much as I love the 1980s setting, uh, why not use any 80s music? I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) At all. No, I mean, like, people love 80s. I mean, the trailer even had a a New Order's Blue Monday. And, like, instead you have a generic Hans Zimmer score. It's like, put some, you know, put the go-go, put Michael Jackson, you know, put Wham, put Duran Duran, whatever in it, you know. Uh, Get a lot of fingers up. Okay, go ahead. I was going to quickly say the other big problematic part about DC is that you're not wearing fucking fur coats in the summer, bitch. You stole my line. Wait, Katie, did you text that to Adam? Did you text that to Adam? She uh, she does have the receipt. She did text it, but also that's all we talked about was like, it's so goddamn hot. Uh, Katie, I'm sorry. Go, you go. Wow, wow. To just use my intellectual property that I texted you in confidence. (laughs) Before this this podcast. Okay, let me just, I have a, Kaylin, I think you're bringing up some amazing points. I just want to say that I think Natasha Rothwell should have had so many more lines. Yes. She is a local uh, hometown hero of DC, a Washington Improv Theater alum. She had two lines. They put her in the announcement. Like they announced yep. her joining the cast last summer. No, she, I, I think a lot of her role was cut. I can see her I being on the cutting room floor. A real shame. She could have been so fun and fun. Who did she play? Who did she play? She, I'm sorry. She was basically the, the office the manager. Yeah, or was the office I thought she was like the oh, boss yeah. yeah. It's a real like blink that. and you miss it role, which is a shame because she's so talented. But then also, I want to say this film, I should have been more focused on Kristen Wiig because it was, she yes. came in immediately. I was like, I'm into it. I want to know how she turns into a villain. Great, cool. And then I will just finally end with my own personal thought that no one's ever had before. Have you ever been to DC during the summer? The idea that they have all these stylish coats, we're wearing fur. Kristen Wiig says to the person, the the homeless man who she talks to, she says, stay warm, stay warm. (laughs) It's July in Washington, DC, a swamp. (laughs) I also, one more thing, one more thing. I just have to say, Wonder Woman, she lost the plot. She wasn't even involved. She was too, she, she's been single for 60 plus years. She was also unaffected by 80s fashion. We didn't get any 80s yes. music. We didn't get any Wonder Woman. Like we had some nice stylish coats, but like what in the world? What a missed opportunity. I rest my case. <laughs> to go back to music real quick. I, I need Please. Kaylin was right. We needed 80s music, but they also did not use the Wonder Woman yes. theme the entire wow. time. Give yes. me like a wee, wee, wee. Give me one of them, please. They did like a dance remix version while she was like <laughs> roller skating in the mall. But like I needed more. It was so it made me so mad. Ryan, my favorite is every time you try to sing the Wonder Woman theme song, you just sing Crazy Train by <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's basically the same to me. <laughs> uh, someone mentioned how they liked the um you know, the clothes montage. I thought it was terrible, number one, mainly because in a montage, there's supposed to be some song that deal, you know, like yes. some fast paced, awesome 80s song. Come on. It, I did, I, it felt just so passe and boring and slow because it was like, he was just walking out with no music, blah, blah, blah. Do you like this? Do you like that? No. And just, oh, Kaylin. Yeah. yeah um, just to rip off that really quickly, they should have done like uh, David Bowie's like fashion or something like yes, that. That would have been perfect, yes. which is a great 80s song. But the other point I really want to make, I forgot to earlier. So the other bad guy, Pedro Pascal's character is Maxwell Lord, who is yes. a DC comic character, kind of a kind of questionable hero, anti-hero turn villain. He's the one that Wonder Woman killed in like 2005 in a comic, which is like, like really, really controversial. The thing that really frustrated me was you have this character named Maxwell Lord and he he resembles nothing of the comic yeah. character at all. In the comics, he is the founder of a one incarnation of the Justice League. Um, he gets really involved in them and then he kind of has a heel turn and becomes like a quasi bad guy. He gets killed, he gets reborn. 
And like, he's not an oil man. He's not like, he doesn't get a monkey's paw type MacGuffin to do this stuff. I don't even know if he has a son. Like, it's just like, why would you use the character, character's name if you're not gonna use the character? It could have been some generic, you know, Joe Smith. Like, like hmm. it just was really frustrating as a DC Comics fan. Clark? Um, I just lost what I was gonna say. Um, no, go back. Okay. I'll, I'll, That's fine. I, well, cause uh, I was gonna, I was gonna hop on to the uh, Maxwell Lord thing too. That I did yeah. find that very frustrating. And it very much, obviously, oh. if they try to play up a 80s, you know, con man type character, which totally makes sense if you want to tell like that kind of like generic 80s movie. But yeah, there was definitely, it's almost like they didn't, it was, the movie was very campy, but it was, none of the camp came from the 80s flair, I guess, besides maybe like some of the opening, opening act stuff where Barbara was running around and like, even when she works out, like there's like a couple, and I think to your point, Katie, I didn't get to say this before. One thing I did like about the movie is that both of them, regardless of kind of how unwindy their journeys got, I did really appreciate that this didn't follow, this felt like this followed a lot less of the typical Marvel or other superhero models, where it's just a back and forth and back and forth of each group getting power to then end up fighting each other. Like, that's why I think I like the first two acts a little bit more, because it was sort of it meandered a little bit in a way that I liked, which was like watching Kristen Wiig become Cheetah was I thought pretty interesting. And I, I was apparently so oddly well done or just our friend Rex, I watched it with our friend Rexy who lives in my building and he might've just been drunk enough. He had no idea that she was gonna become a villain. She thought they were, he thought they were becoming friends. So I was like, oh, that's really cool of the movie to do that. Um, and in general, I really liked their relationship, but I agree that it was completely overshadowed by this monstrous, once again, third act that can never hold on to itself. Clark, did you remember what you were gonna say? Um, yeah, they, th this character was modeled entirely after Donald Trump. That's the reason this character existed the way he was. There's literally no other point for him to be th this way. Good point. Legitimately, no, the, he goes and meets the president and wants all the president's that's, power and everything. Yeah, that's, a, that's interesting, Clark. I think there was some weird shadows of real life people because something else that I said to Adam in confidence, which she has not brought up yet. <laughs> I'm sure he'll say Mike, Everyone knows that DC is hot during the summer. <laughs> it's okay that you're upset, that you, you don't have your own interesting thoughts and that's okay. Now, what I wanted to bring up was I didn't understand, uh, and again, I'm going on a little bit of a different direction so we can always ebb and flow. Was the president supposed to be Ronald Reagan? Because he didn't I no look idea. like, and then immediately, immediately we first meet him. And I'm like, are they implying that, are they, is this a comment on Ronald Reagan's supposed um, Alzheimer's in office? Because he was like, I don't know where I am. It was very weird. I was like, is he real? What's happening? Who's real well, here? Yeah. <laughs> Kaylin. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is definitely Ronald Reagan uh, without saying his name. It's like the hair, like the yeah. kind of vacuous look, you know, like the fact that he was clearly, you know, losing his faculties while in office. And this is kind of what I wanted to talk about a little bit is you, there was a really interesting way that they could have set it in this era. And going back to the first movie very, very quickly, um, what I liked about it was you had Wonder Woman coming in as this emissary of peace during the greatest war that humanity had seen up to that point. And like, she has to sort of deal with it. And even though some of the metaphors were a little blunt and a little clumsy and the third act had some problems, the first one, I like what it was trying to say. Mm. If you wanted to set it in 1984, you could have really played into some cold war politics. And they, and they kind of did towards the end with a really weird way, but like they could have like focused in on the, on the fact that like the United States was guilty of the arm, you know, like uh, amping up the arms race with the Soviet Union and utilizing, you know, third world countries, uh, developing nations as proxies uh, for like the stuff that happened in Nicaragua and Grenada, all that shit. Hell, they could have like played into Iran-Contra and they, they wouldn't even have to use Iran, they could have used the DC like mid fake Middle East country called Korak. They could have done something with that and they could have used a stand-in for Reagan and you could have had Diana sort of play up like she's still an emissary of peace during an era where like we don't have a hot war but we have a cold war going on. And it's like, it's like it was right there for the taking and nobody thought about it. And it frustrates the fuck out of me. 
So I, I don't think they would ever do that though. Well, let they me would jump, never go that political with it. Well, let know? me jump in because Kaylin's doing a great job of our next segment, which is fix it. So if there was one or two things about the movie, obviously that we all have problems with, if you had to pick like one or two major priority things um, to flip and you can only choose one or two, we don't want a laundry list. What do you think would really make this movie take steps further, Ryan? I would just like, you know, you know, when, when that weird fucking crystal, he became a crystal or whatever that, whatever that process was, the oversimplification of the wish process. I wish I just got a little bit more exposition on what that process, did, like how you could resend a wish, how you could sometimes get two, sometimes you can take a wish. Sometimes it, there was so many... I, I, I don't get too bogged down on logistics in movies, but this was so glaring that like you didn't know what you were supposed to do with this wish thing. So like maybe instead of just like this weird uh, Amazonian sort of language around like uh, like a ring, maybe like have a parchment with like six rules or something like that. Hey, Ryan, your wish has been granted and I'm now taking your boyfriend to your house. I'll see you later. <laughs> I'm resending my wish. <laughs> oh, <Thank> no! <laughs> uh, Clark. I wish they, um, well, number one. Yeah, wish actually, was... everyone do wishes. I love it. This is fantastic. What's your wish for this film? <laughs> I wish there was a, a playwright who understood medieval, I mean, excuse me, middle, uh, Middle East politics, mythology, the Mayans, Cold War, every <laughs> single thing. This is literally playwrights who don't know, don't understand history, period. But the one thing I want to um, talk about is I wish, remember the part where they talk about like the mythological figure of whatever, the god of evil lies. Yeah, the nobody, right. Either don't mention it or have him show up. Yes. But why is he brought up at all? I also would like to not have a Mayan book that suddenly shows up when number one, they didn't have fucking written word. And that's why we don't know what happened to him. Why do we have this book? <laughs> and, it's not, and it's not just that like, it's one page of text. That thing was like 100,000 pages. There was at least 500 pages just sitting there. So obviously he knew the history of everything Mayan, but we don't know. Oh, piss me so off the, so the, uh, the, the, the The guy who played the Mayan like sort of individual yes. was actually South Asian. Yeah, that yeah. is so yeah, goddamn problematic. He was in, uh, he was in Master of None, Aziz Ansari's show. He was oh my in uh, Meet the Patels, which was the this like sort of uh, like really cute documentary of him like finding, you know, a, a, like a potential spouse. And it's like, I, I was like, where do I know that guy from? I'm like, he's Indian. <laughs> he's Indian and he's playing a Mayan. Like he's like Indian from like, he's Indi Indian American. And I'm like, like, this is so bad. It's so goddamn bad. <laughs> Katie. They tried to make a joke about that because he said something like, oh yeah, I'm not really Mayan. I'm, it's my uncle's brother's cousin on this side. But it was just so, just why bother? Like why bother? Yeah, yeah. Do that? Like what's the point of that? It's, it's not the that worst funny. kind of throwback. It's, it's the not worst funny. kind of throwback. It's yeah. just stupid. And it adds to the two and a half hour film that we watched. Yeah. Why? Well, it was also, it was also time, like they also got Game of Thrones level time travel at the end or like location travel because they were like teleporting between the continents at a rapid pace. I was like, what the fuck? Uh, Kaylin, what else would you change? Um, or what did you wish? What would you not, wish for? Wish. Okay, well, it's not really a wish. I kind of wanted to refer to something that Ryan said. Um, so can I do that really quickly? Or yes, do you want to then you have wishes? to make a wish. <laughs> uh, well, I wish I never watched it. How about that? Uh, <laughs> oh my, oh my goodness. Oh my god! Like, could you no, imagine? Like, I turn I turn into I like I turn into a child for some reason. Like, I, like, like, like the entire <laughs> a well acting history. child, I might add. So, Ryan, <laughs> when I, there you go, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, you said that like they when I when when I talked about like how I would have changed it about making it a little bit more about Cold War politics. Um, that they they would never do that. I don't know. If, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I mean, the Black Panther was a fairly overtly political movie, even though it was. Marvel superhero film, like when whenever Marvel does the X Men, they're going to make some very very overt political statements, and so they probably would have pulled their punches a little bit, and it wouldn't have been like such an indictment of American foreign policy. But they could have found like a pathway. They could have found somebody who was like an Oliver North type, you know, who was really like the you know Greek god of mischief, and like you know like kind of playing like a, a an Ares role like from the first film. Uh, they could have found a way to to, to to kind of make it work. 
Right. I, I, I just think it, they, they, they would do it. DC movies in general, unfortunately, don't do it justice is what I'm saying. Oh, sure. Ooh, good one. But, be, but, but honestly, <laughs> it's like seeing, remember like the X-Men movie where they went, they did the Cuban Missile Crisis? Yeah. And you're yeah. like, okay, you didn't handle it well. So I would be afraid they would just also not handle this because mm. he doesn't tend to handle heavier issues in a great way. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I'm not, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just, this violent. is my wish of making it, oh, them gotcha, doing it yeah. doing them and doing it well. I have a new <laughs> fix. I would like, I wish that for God's sake, Cheetah could have been so much bigger a part of this movie and that Max Lord was the fucking like stooge who gets killed halfway through and she takes power because, and I say this as someone who was like so annoyed at hearing, like not annoyed, but I was just sort of like, oh really? Like I don't see it. And I, kudos to Krista Wiig. She basically just did the same character she always does. I was like, am I watching Ghostbusters? But also <laughs> when she did break bad, I actually believed it and I liked it. And like I said before, I did think they had a couple of good scenes together. I really wish, to your point, Katie, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of cut scenes that likely involved Natasha Rothwell and the characters to like build out that world of the two of them working together. Cause that moves so rapidly. And it was very frustrating to watch Kristen Wiig's uh, Barbara become a little bit more one dimensional um and like the and that again the, there was a third act explosion and it could have been so different if it was a bit more power and control through barbara realizing that like she wants more not not max lord because as as good as pedro pascal was in that role it just it did feel like it was from a different movie and i really appreciate that both of them got <laughs> character journeys but i would have wanted a lot more of, of barbara which you might get because we'll, we'll talk about and a little bit of kind of next next uh outputs but uh clark what were you gonna say i have one very very tiny thing do you remember when we first see them at, at lunch and uh, Wonder Woman is like, you're so funny, you're so funny. I hate when a scene starts with someone saying, you're so funny, I wanna see the fucking funny. funny. <laughs> wow, and that's really, that's that's a, that's true. That's Clark, true. are you an improv coach? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me something's funny. Um, Kayla, well, I haven't gotten my wish yet. I haven't gotten my wish. Can I get okay. my wish? Yeah, yeah, no, no, wish away. Yeah, Okay, stay with me here. I promise to be succinct. Here, hear me out. Cut completely Max Lord from the film. Yeah. Recast him as, oh, here, cut him. Also cut Steve. I did not need Steve. Yeah. I did not need his stupid uh, way that he indicated that he was Steve by saying his the last line he had said in the first movie. <laughs> Yeah. I hated the way he said futon because he like, couldn't understand how to say futon and like what he was like wudon like it's a futon it's not that hard it's also not that crazy it's just a <laughs> piece of bedding on the slats it's not wild that's what you're amazed by in the 80s so I could have gone fully without that recast a new love interest this now this Kaylin you sparked this in me the new love interest make him a Russian spy let's do a whole cross like Let's make him Russian. Let's make a Cold War. Let's give her some complicated romantic, but also geopolitical feelings. That's what I want to see. I also, uh, I need Kristen Wiig to Clark's point. I have so many, I'm really taking all of our wishes and making them into yeah, one. Yes, um, collective wishes. To Clark's point, really bothered me at the end when, when Kristen Wiig's character was saying, it's people like me, like people like us. We have, we've had nothing. I'm like, people like you, a slightly bookish woman, <laughs> like who <laughs> seems to have a very nice life and is very educated and intelligent. Like, I'm not, I don't feel bad for you. It was like, she's all that. Like she takes off her glasses. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. The last thing I'll say, if I were going to, again, illuminate a character, blow up their, their role into a larger, a larger piece of the pie here, it would be the White House intern character. Oh. He was my favorite character because he was most, um, he was the most illustrative of DC to me because everybody knows someone that immediately gives too many qualifications. They're probably like a little too old for the role that they're in. He yeah. also, he also- He's Jonah Ryan. He's Jonah Ryan. He was, yes. and I loved when he said, Jan Lincoln redid the White House, little known cousin, Jan Lincoln. I was like, <laughs> what is this tour that we're watching? He needed a bigger part. He could have been a pivotal role. Those are my wishes. I love it. Kaylin? 
I want to riff off what you said about giving her a different love interest. Why not uh, Kristen Wiig as a love interest? Yeah. Yeah. Canonically, yeah. Wonder built. Woman is oh. bisexual. Whoa, that's perfection. That was that the, that's the right answer. So that's, that's my right problem answer. with the movie is that it was completely wow. built up. From the, there's literally a line in the movie where she meets Steve and is like, "Who are you?" And it's like, "I'm the, I'm an old friend." And she's like, "Well, I'm a new one." And I'm like, "This is Ooh. sexual tension, and yes. I love it." And it didn't go anywhere. I've got and, and Mama, you better believe there's a lot of fan art. Oh yes. There of Gail Godot just making out with the cheetah. Like it is like, I mean, it's, it is it's literal slash fiction. Yeah, it's basically, wow. it's and I'm making a lot of it, you know? It, it's basically She-Ra. We got yeah. the cat creature yes, and yes, you know, yes, yes. heroic yeah. wonder person. Um, I've got two quick things. Um, number one, I want to see Katie's movie so hard. Um, <laughs> no, number two, um, Wonder Woman is a bad friend and just a user. Yeah, she like she She's never not wanted to be a good person. She didn't want to be friends with Barbara until she realized all this archaeological things are showing up. The only reason she's friends with her is because of that. Number two, you just talked about the um, White House guy. She doesn't give three shits about him until she needs him. It's weird, and now she's uh, it's. It, I don't like her. I don't. I liked her in the first one, and now I just don't like this person. It's seventy years on Earth with humans. She fucking hates them. She's like, I'm over this shit. I'm too well, old for this garbage. I hate her too. Kayla. Uh, one more thing I just want to say really quickly about uh, Maxwell Lord. Uh, to Clark's point, yeah, like he definitely was modeled a little bit too much after Donald Trump, but it's also clear that one of the influences of this film is the first Superman, the Richard Donner one, mm. where you had Lex Luthor, kind of like Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor, who was kind of interesting, but basically he's like a real estate mogul and is just like really concerned about a land deal. And it's like, I think they wanted to play up that like sort of like yeah. 70s, 80s, like, you know, superhero camp. And it, like, I appreciated the effort in some weird ways because, like, I think there are too many superhero movies that take themselves too seriously. Zack Snyder, I'm looking at you. Uh, and so, like, the camp factor is great. But having recently rewatched Batman Returns, which is leaving HBO Max this month, which is in the next day or so, uh, you should definitely try to watch it before it goes away. They handled camp so well because with a movie with no queer characters, it is the gayest thing I've ever seen. Uh, it's And it's like, how could you not do that in a movie that came out in 2020, set in, 19, in, in the 1980s? You could have camped it up so fucking much. And they just like, they got to the edge and then they like sort of peeled back. And it, it's like, oh God, this movie frustrates me so fucking much. Yeah, Katie? and to the to the the choice they made to feature Commander Salamander, like a very notorious, very yeah. well known like punk store in Georgetown, and then also to 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 bring us to a mall in this day and age. It's really the renaissance of malls. I mean, they're showing up in every every television show nowadays. We really miss them, um, but we let them die. And I just yeah, there were so many opportunities. It was almost as though someone made the beginning of the film and then quit someone who <laughs> loves movies made the beginning of the movie and then they were like oh wait never mind we I ran do, out of money somehow <laughs> i do really think that there's gonna it's probably gonna come out just like the first one that there was probably some relatively heavy studio intervention on this because there it's so wacky and wild and pulled in so many weird directions and i think there is a nugget of a movie that could have been good if it was allowed to be the movie it was supposed to be, which involved Cheetah and uh, Diana having sex. It felt like, a, it felt like, and I'll, I'll say this from experience, it <laughs> felt like a college paper that somebody Ooh. started writing and they were really giving it their all. Like they really <laughs> researched the beginning of the paper. And then the paper was actually due the next morning at 10 a.m. And so then they were like, oh shit, I've got to write a bunch of stuff and yeah. it's going to be way too long at the end. Nobody reread it. It was just like, oh, why did we, spend, yeah. why did we and, spend 45 minutes on this man's moral? It, <laughs> that's really so true because they always race to the finish in the one-on-one yeah. one, one yeah. movies yes. because they're just like, uh, he's a god, she's a cheetah. Uh, they got to fight. And you're like, excuse me, why? The beginning, why? and in the beginning when we see the whole the whole sequence, they spent so much money on, yes. the, on the on the um, Olympic game sequence, which made me feel a little <laughs> sick hungry. when I was watching yeah. it. I was like, whoa, why was that there? That was so much money that they spent for no Diana, cheating again, is wrong. Cheating is wrong. They had to so feature the child actress. So yes, which the ch the children are our future. Thank you, Katie, for that earlier. But um, I so 
there are two like uh, intros and Patty Jenkins has spoke. The director has spoken about like how she didn't want to cut either of them because they are both powerful mm. and wow. necessary for the film. And I'm 25 minutes into the film and the show, the movie hasn't started yet. So I, I don't know <laughs> if I necessarily agree. So I don't know. Case. I have to say something. I have to amend the record. When I say to cut Max Lord's character, do not cut his son from the film. The son, again, really an emotional wealth in, in the movie. I really felt, I laughed with him. I cried with him. He was left alone in that office building for what felt like days with no food. You laughed with him? And then just wandered okay, okay. onto a highway at one Wait, point. Wait, yeah, no, no, Katie, like, hey, 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 I've got it. I've got yeah. it. What if while fighting, Diana gets knocked out of the air and lands into a small town where Alistair lives with his mother and it's Christmas and then he oh. depicts her bangles so that she can fly back to fight extremists. I mean, fight whatever the thing is. Yeah. And that's the movie you want to rip off. Raise him. <laughs> now, the, the guy, the guy who plays, you know, the hot guy who Chris Pine takes over. He is in so many Hallmark movies. I think that would be perfect for him to fall in love with either love one it. woman who has to quit her high-powered job in order <laughs> to be with him in like his hometown. I love that's, that. beautiful. Um, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, switching, switching more to a meta, meta question. So obviously, uh, if you've been on any semblance of social media since this movie released, and everyone under the fucking sun, including your grandma, has an opinion on this, uh, do you think that like any role of it releasing on HBO Max and releasing on Christmas mm -hmm. Day, like what role do you think everything that's currently going on in the universe played into how people so viscerally feel about this relatively mediocre movie? Uh, Clark. Oh no, Kalen had his hand up. I just had a tiny point. Okay. Keelan. Um, <laughs> so I, I think context is everything. Like if you, if this movie had been released normally, if COVID hadn't existed, it would have come out the summer of 2020. It would have been after Black Widow had come out and then people would be comparing that movie to, to the Black Widow film. But I think we are so starved for big blaster, big blockbuster entertainment. Like the only movies that really kind of came out this year are Tenet, this movie, New Mutants, which we know is not good. Bill and Ted's third movie, which I've heard yeah. is a lot of fun. Uh, and like, you know, the fact that we can't have these like shared experiences in theaters really, like that definitely, people put a lot of pressure on this film. Um, but I quibble with your point that it being mediocre, it's not mediocre, it is actively bad for a variety of reasons that we've already talked about in this podcast. Cause it's not just like, oh, well that was some dumb stuff. Like it's problematic. She's a rapist. There are no black people in 1980s Washington DC. Why are they wearing coats? The children aren't our future. That kid <laughs> never laughed, Katie. Why did you want to laugh with him? He didn't laugh once. He's a crying wow, little fucking that's bitch so crybaby. <laughs> Calling me out. Kaylee, why don't you say bitch on this podcast? Yeah. 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 Wow, Kaylin, are you the misogynist? Is it oh, really? <laughs> oh no. You know what? As the token woman, I'm a say, you're allowed. I have to say something else because um just to say that this is a bad movie. Uh there I just I just briefly caught a note that we did not address and it has to do with the politics of the film. The, there was that one scene where there's an Irish man ordering food from a British woman <laughs> and then he yes. says and then he says, you should drop dead. And she's like, I hope they all send, they send all of you back to Ireland. It was supposed to be like a hint at the troubles going on in like 1980s oh, yeah. Ireland. Was, why, why include that? It was so stupid. And so bad. I think bad movies like this get hype because I do think it has to do with timing and quarantine. Like, I think we all, if you look at the things that like, um, you look at The Undoing or you look at Tiger King, like things that have exploded in the water cooler world, if you are, if you will, it's because we have time. Yeah. Like we have time, it's the holidays, people have time to watch this. It's available for no extra cost on HBO Max. That's why everyone has a hot take. Also, we're looking to be angry about something because Trump is leaving office. We're like, we have all this anger. Yes. Well, just kind of taking the question up a little bit of a notch, would you, was there any difference for your own viewing experience because you saw a big blockbuster movie for the first time on TV versus the movie? What were like kind of the differences for you? And again, do you want that to be the future of movies? Do you care? Um, again, I, yeah, fine. It's a bad movie. I want to get to the better question around the future of movies, essentially. Yeah. I just want to quickly say, I love uh, time is 100% uh, on Katie, what she was saying. I also think one of the big words is access. 
just in terms of not that everyone oh, has. Oh yeah. And not everyone has HBO Max, but anyone can grab someone else's password and use it. We're gonna free I trial. Yeah. More people can watch it immediately, which is why uh, I. Well, I'm looking at Reddit all the time and it is fucking hilarious. 90% of the people hate it and it is <laughs> everything people say are so fucking funny and messed up. Anyway, so I, I forgot your question. I was like, would you, did you like, like with the, the blockbusters that Caleb mentioned, I actually yeah. have only really seen Wonder Woman 84. Like, I don't want this to be the future. I want to be in a theater. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to quietly digest a movie, think about it while I'm watching it. And instead I was like drinking champagne, eating brunch, watching the movie, which didn't feel the same way that I would for, you know, this kind of big thing. So Clark. Well, Katie, do you, you, since you're involved in television and, and, you know, producing and everything, what is your actual, like, professional opinion of this? Well, I have a very nuanced opinion, but I want to get, throw it over to Kalen because he's had his hand up. So I want okay. him to say oh, what he Thank you. Yeah. Katie, you're the best guest we've ever had. I'm trying to be a diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just really quickly, uh, to answer your question, Adam, I, no, I definitely don't want this to be the future of films, because even if it's something that I really enjoyed, if I'm at home, I'm going to get distracted way too easily. I'm going to be mm -hmm. looking at my phone. I'm going to pause it. I'm going to do, like, I even told you guys off podcast that I, it took me two nights to watch this movie because I started getting really inspired the first night, and I was just not engaged. I went to go do something else, and then I picked it back up again the following night, and it was like, I was like really trudging through it mostly so I could talk about it on this podcast. If I didn't have to, I don't think I would have finished it. And I've never once walked out of a film, no matter how bad it is in a movie theater. And so I want to be captive. I want to be, have that kind of shared hey, you experience. Be captivated. You want to be captivated, not captive of the movie. Well, no, well, both actually. <laughs> I want, but I want, I, want to, I want to be able to like see a movie from beginning to end and have it be a shared experience, whether people are laughing. Oh, I see. You want to be a captain of a theater? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and like that's that's what I really love, and I hope we get back to that at some point. TV producer Katie, <laughs> get that opinion. My professional opinion. Um, here's the thing. I I would have loved to have seen this movie as a summer blockbuster in an ice cold theater, eating popcorn with friends. We could have laughed in the theater. Everyone's, you know, having a jovial time. That would have been a much, I think I would have liked the movie more had I seen it that way. I totally agree with Kaylin. I, it took me a while to watch it. I definitely like paused and came back to it. Um, I also, yeah, it's, it's a scary time. I mean, it, it is a, it's a weird time for the film industry because HBO Max has really rocked Ooh. the film industry by their announcement that they're going to put all their movies out. Uh, or who is it? Wait, is it HBO yeah. Max? Okay, wait. Yes. Okay. The parent company of HBO, because that's, it's really scary. It's like, what's going to happen with with this whole, this whole experience of going to the movies. Like why even bother making a blockbuster if you can't have people in the seats? So that's my opinion on it. And I have walked out of a movie. I walked out of the movie Step Brothers and, <laughs> and then I went and saw The Dark Knight and I watched the end of The Dark Knight again. So I guess I love comic books secretly. <laughs> Whoa, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Uh, yes, we can't. Uh, first and foremost, you guys both said walk out of the theater. And I saw a tweet that I thought was the funniest thing. It said, I hated that movie so much. I walked out of my home. Uh, <laughs> which um, and in this pandemic, um, that's a risk. With, with, with yeah. that said, well, yeah, not, not in this climate. No. Uh, <laughs> with that all said, uh, I, it can't go away. There is so much money is locked into movie ticket sales. Like if it goes away, all of our movies are going to become less and less. Le like, it is a big budget movie because people are going to the theater. Investing in it, yeah. And, and it's truly an experience. I don't know how many times in quarantine I've woken up and being like, I just wish I could go to the movie theater mm -hmm. and just watch a movie. Yeah. And like, it, it's such an experience. You want to be around randos that comment on it. Like, it's the whole experience. It's like going to a play. It's like every other type of theater. It's just, it's curated to be that way. So if, if that goes away, I think we as a society will lose a big part of who we are as filmmakers too. We're all oh. filmmakers. And Katie, you're a filmmaker too, because I've seen your Instagram live. That, that is some great work. Uh, um, just to hop off that really quick, um, in terms of um, just blockbusters and the fact that 
box office and everything, people will know to go to a show or a movie, yeah. obviously, because box office is that high. If we have no idea what the ratings are, who's watching what, every once in a while Netflix, if something's big enough, will say, 14 million people watch this in the first week. But Nothing. half the people aren't going to know that. Um, the other thing, Kalen is a small one. My other one's a big one. So, Kalen? I was just going to say, if we if theaters completely end up going away because they're just bankrupt, they never come back. I think what'll end up happening is you will see uh, serialization of things like WandaVision, which is coming up on Disney Plus, um, you know, The Mandalorian, mm -hmm. which just wrapped up. Um, that's where all will go. It's like, well, we have to make it more like a TV show. Let's just put more money and stuff like that. And I think it's gonna like kind of force directors and producers to kind of rethink the way that they uh, can package the stories that they wanna tell. because. They may not be contained by 90 minutes, two hours, two and a half hours anymore. They can do something that's like, you know, five hours long, 10 hours long. That's the point I was going to make. Clark? Um, I'm doing now in terms of technology. As we know, I'm in the country for the, this whole year just because no job for theater and everything like that. Um, internet here is fucking shit. Internet, he, internet in like the middle of the country is unfun not functional for many, many people. The fact that like yeah. Denny, my roommate came up for Christmas, we tried to watch it on my television and it was so glitchy and it's kept oh, stopping. The fact we literally had to use like his, his computer to watch it. The yeah. experience was totally different for that very reason. Um, that's definitely gonna be an issue with uh, definitely, you know, flyover states, but people who are an hour outside of a huge city. Yeah. yeah yeah that's a good point for sure wow for sure uh so wrapping us up on just the topic of wonder woman uh what are we thinking or what are you hoping to see because i think the third one's already been approved what do you want to see from uh world war wonder woman world war <laughs> katie I'd like her to be a completely different character. If I could choose, <laughs> I could choose it. I, I'm not impressed. I think there's so much potential here. She's kind of like an aerial figure, like coming from the ocean, the depths of the ocean. She doesn't know what some things are, but then she does know what other things are. It's very, I want, I want more character development. I don't want her to just be a lovelorn rageaholic, which is what she is. And I don't like that. And I just, I, and I, I want better writing I want someone to I don't want them to procrastinate their their college paper I want them to put in the work I want them to take a couple of weeks they have right. the syllabus they know when it's due they know it's due at the end of the term start early they've already announced it and I just have one I need to say this because I need to say my piece I know I'm not supposed to talk about the first movie but I have one scene in the first movie that I have to talk about. And it's the scene where they're in, first of all, it's World War One, which what an interesting choice. We could do a whole podcast on why that's set in World War One. They're at a train station. There's all these soldiers. Wonder Woman is sticking out like a sore thumb because she doesn't understand anything, even though people have described the situation many times to her. And she stops to get a leisurely ice cream cone in what's perceived to be the winter time in war-torn London as though they would be selling ice cream cones at that time, enough cream, sugar, that would all be wretched. And then she goes, you should be so proud. What in the world is that? Like I just scrap both the movies and make a new one for the third one. <laughs> that's, that's my recommendation. <laughs> As somebody who was alive uh, during World War One, uh, I uh, I actually thought that scene was delightful. So I disagree I with you there, it. Katie. It's very memorable. Were your creams rations though? Were your creams my, rations? No, I, I shared my cream with everybody, Ryan. <laughs> Some things never change. Wow. Uh, Clark, what's the what are you hoping for for World War? One thing, give me one person writing the script. Don't give me three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it Jeff Johns? Is that his name, Kaylin? Yeah, he's, he's terrible. He's awful. No, no one's touching anything. They did yeah. they one, of, one of the writers a, flipped, I think, right? I thought there was a gay writer on the first one. Uh, Hold on. Al, Alan a, Heinberg. He, yeah. He was a fine enough writer. I mean, I like Blackest Night and all that kind of stuff, but I, I don't think, is that the same person, right? I don't even know. Um, it was fine enough, but I don't like him writing movies. Uh, number two, they need to either have one villain so that we don't have two different, you know, final act yeah. three, act four, act six, et cetera. Or they need to have kind of like a sisterhood she's fighting up against. Like, I don't really know Cheetah and Giganta, but just the same. Yeah. I, I either have a group that have one singular plot slash final battle or have 
one fucking character, one yeah. villain. Uh, Kayla. Kayla. Um, so I think it's kind of funny that Katie said, like, used the comparison of it, like, being a term paper that it's due the next morning. The first movie came out in 2017, and it was an immediate success. So they had three <laughs> years. Three years to do Talk this, to make it work, <laughs> to make something work. Um, but I, mostly what I want is the movie to get to the core of who Diana is. And despite its flaws, um, even the ridiculous ice cream scene that Katie mentioned, the first movie did get that. It's like, she is, you know, somebody who comes from, uh, you know, like an idyllic society, even though they've got some of their own issues and being kind of put into this war-torn era where the world is being torn apart by the worst conflict that humanity has seen up to that point. And like, you completely got who she was. It's like, wow, DC, the Warner Brothers finally got it right because they fucked up Superman, they fucked up Batman, and then we saw later they fucked up Justice League. Yeah. And then they completely get it wrong in the sequel. Even though Jeff Johns is a, is a DC comic writer and he's done some good stuff, and he's done some really bad stuff, Patty Jenkins directed the first one and it's like, how did you all miss this? How do you get it so wrong? So I, it needs a course correction of who Diana is and if you get that right, I think you have the core of a good movie and then everything else is sort of superfluous. Yeah, just follow the Aquaman model. That was a <laughs> right. I hated Aquaman, but that was better than this. It's, uh, it's sad because I, I agree with you, Caitlin. I did like the first one, and it did make me feel hopeful, and I really like Gal Gadot. Uh, Gal, Gal, Gal. In that role. Gal Gadot. Gal Good Gadot. old Gal Gadot. <laughs> I always add an E onto everything. Look at me. Um, no, I, I really liked her in that role, and uh, I didn't feel, ins- like, as a, the little gay boy that just wanted to see, like, a fun Wonder Woman movie. You are a future, Ryan. Thank you so much. I've acted in the first one. Um, no, but you didn't <laughs> see it in the second one at all. It didn't have any heart, which really made me sad. Yeah. All of that, the one thing I would change is make the background artists not go to the school of Jim Carrey because they <laughs> were outrageous. Wait, you mean? With, okay, okay, there's one scene that the I cows? Didn't Cow? Oh, no. oh the, okay. The cow scene, yes, that was part of it. There is one scene where they're showing the world has gone to chaos, especially <laughs> Washington, D.C. in the current 1980s. And all of the background actors are like, like there's a mime and then there's a magician it. and there's like someone being like, ah, just like screaming. Everyone is, this is why you never set anything and cast anyone in Washington, D.C. because those actors <laughs> Are oh the my worst. God. And I know some of the people that were extras. Um, <laughs> it was not good. They were showboating on a level that I've only seen like craziness. Would um, you say they were extra? Some of them were okay and modest, but some of them were just being like insane. Insane. If you want a good laugh, go back and watch that scene when Diana <laughs> is hurt and she is walking through a crowd of craziness because that is comedy gold and that is why it's the best movie ever honestly right there one of my favorite moments sorry interrupt um my favorite moments is in the mall and one of the guys who like involved with almost kidding kidnapping a child and like they put the gun in the head and everything and one of the guys who looked literally i thought was jim carrey for a hot second like (laughs) fire marshal bill s and he screams no awful dumb way possible it is exactly your fucking point. I Kaylin. love a strong background actor because I'll just say, I think this is something Cameron Crowe has said about his films, which I think should really be applied more to the DC universe. Every background actor, if you watch the film, they should all have their own rich lives that they're living. Like you should be able to ask any of those actors, who are you? And they should be able to tell you a full page of their hopes and dreams. I just, I have, I loved it. I think that, you know, the the overdoing, 
you know, you really, you, as someone who's been an actor in the DC community, I can't believe you would call them out and, and try to, as an indictment to all actors in DC, working actors after the year they've had to just say they're the Mama, part that you Does to anyone, all right, all right. Working. Those does ones any, are not working, okay? Does anyone have anything to add about what they want to see in Wonder Woman 3? No. no more background actors, more. Kaylin. Um, we haven't quite talked about um, the cameo that's in the mid credit sequence. Mm -hmm. uh, Linda Carter, uh, which I didn't necessarily mind. I was like, I was expecting at some point. I'm like, People okay, People love fine. that shit. And I was I'm like, so a little surprised. I, I was actually a little surprised they didn't do what they did in the Flash TV show where they made her like Hippolyta, you know, uh, mm -hmm. like being uh, Wonder Woman's mother making it a little bit meta. Like, I think it would have been like, oh, okay, whatever. But I would have enjoyed it. Like the way they did with um, the guy, the actor who played the Flash in the yes. early 90s show comes in as Barry's father in the Kerner, current uh, CW show. Um, like, it would have been kind of cute. Kaylin, who was she supposed to be? I'm sorry, Clark. I have to, I need to You're know. You're fine. That's totally she fine. Was, she was, she was a, uh, like. Uh, she wore the golden like armor. her. Yeah, she wore the golden armor, and it was also like the um, the the stuff at the very very beginning, the games when Diana's super young. It's done in her her honor, and so okay. it's like uh, yeah, that's what I thought. And I just have to say, she did not look anything. They they did like an extreme close up on that yes. person wearing the golden. Yes. She didn't look anything like her. So as a as a again a person who doesn't understand the universe, when I watched that, I was like, wait, hold up. She was supposed to be that person. She didn't look like I'm too literal. I also called the 800 number that they put in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I looked up the addresses that they gave in DC. I was like, where is this supposed to be? The 800 number didn't connect to anything. And I don't like when a major blockbuster doesn't have a fun party line set up with a voicemail ready to go. <laughs> like there was nothing. <laughs> So, and okay, they should have had a Max Lord voicemail, and there wasn't. And oh, that that's actually, actually a good my, idea. That's my biggest gripe about the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, Clark? Yeah, um, you mentioned it, just cinematography at some point, like very much at the beginning when you are talking about the things you liked. I had a huge problem with that. Um, I felt one of the things I want to change is I don't want Patty Jenkins back. Yeah. Um, the main one of the parts I mentioned uh, noticed really bad was when they're finally talking about like he needs to go back and blah 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 rescind your wish and everything and they're just doing it randomly in front of some column in the most boring ugly fashion possible um, can't they do it anywhere that's actually emotionally functional instead of just this silly spot yeah, yeah when I, said, I when completely I said, agree with you the block let me just jump in because that was my thing about cinematography. So the cinematography that I enjoyed was the act one, act two. Like I said, as it went on, the entire movie fell off part and went off completely off the rail. Yeah. Kaylin, sorry. Uh, yeah, um, I was gonna say the blocking in the movie was terrible. Like there was no sense of like location or gravity between two or three or four actors to know exactly where they are and how they're related to one another. It's like, it's a real problem. And then um, there's that scene when, you know, they're, they're in Egypt and it's basically the riff off Rage of the Lost Ark, which I thought was like really kind of sloppy. There's a scene where Diana's like running towards a truck and I was like, this movie came out in 2020. Why does it look like a 90s made for TV movie? The green screen was so bad. It was yeah. so bad. And it makes me really worry because Patty Jenkins has been announced as the director for a Star Wars project that's going to be Ooh. hopefully being released in the in, in the theaters about the uh, one of the X-wing squadrons, and I'm like, oh god, please, 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 please rethink this. I did want to quickly say I'm super disappointed we did not shit nearly enough. I know we talked about the Fourth of July thing, which we'll always remember. That's what I'm going to fucking remember for the rest of my life <laughs> in this movie. But that scene. The fireworks and then flying, everything about that was exactly where my brain turned. And I was like, oh no, this is gonna get far, far worse before it gets better. <laughs> like that's everything about that was where I was like, that's the epitome of the bad shit in that movie. And I was like, no, what have they done? Uh, let's I do, that know, we gotta wrap yeah, up. So let me, let's do final, let quick, yeah, final let comments, Mark and then Katie. Okay, um, I think that was added on at the last minute. Number one, we were talking about all the weather related stuff. The fact that it was so hot, so cold, et cetera. I think they added the 4th of July shit because it was so out of left field. And the fact that suddenly everyone's, everyone's wearing coats and suddenly it's so fucking hot. I, yeah. I don't know. They needed something super patriotic and they just shoved it the fuck in there. 
It's studio intervention. Yeah. Uh, do you have another point, Clark? No, I think that's my last one, sure. <laughs> Katie, will you take us out? What were your final thoughts on this movie and just superhero movies in general? My final thought for the film, and I'll say, I just want to say, I actually really enjoyed the 4th of July fireworks scene because it was very romantic and beautiful and it really gave Chris Pine his Meg Ryan moment where he got to be like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know how to fly a plane. I, I've never seen a plane like this. Let me live my dreams and look at the fireworks. And, and it was just really, I felt good for him that he got that opportunity <laughs> to really shine as a romantic lead. Um, and I, I just want to bring it, I'm actually going to go full circle coming back to the children. And I just want to say the little girl at the mall, what, <laughs> what a future. Watch that girl. She it was got, amazing, though. I will agree with great. you. She had she said so much without maybe even saying anything at all. And I think she was again one of these standout background actors because I will again defend the background actors to my death. Um, <laughs> so that and, and I and I just want to say as well, my final thought on on superhero films is if you tell me to watch one, I'll do it. But if no one does, I won't. So if you want me to watch a superhero movie, I will watch and one. I watched Captain that's... America because my old roommate said, let's watch it. And I did. And I enjoyed it. But I won't watch it in my own volition. So you got to tell that's me the... which ones you want me to watch. That's the definition of consent right there. And that is Full great. circle. Full circle. Yes. I consent we have... to being sent recommendations on superhero films. Can I, can I just say something, Katie? I love that you you're on. You're so you're so much fun. You have the subtlety of a background actor <laughs> in a Wonder Woman film. I was and really the background. God bless actor you. This podcast. <laughs> um, no, Kate. Yeah, Katie. In all honesty, thank you so much for being on. You're absolutely incredible as always. Um, I forgive wanna... you for stealing all my ideas. That's what <laughs> I do. Um, do you want to plug anything? Sure. Um, I guess I'll plug uh, my Instagram live. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at K-O-Z-O-G. Um, I, let's see, I have some podcast projects coming. I just did a podcast with some, it's not out yet. I don't, it's not out yet. But also my, my true crime channel ID also has some true crime podcasts. So you can find those uh, anywhere where podcasts are available. Um, one of them is called Red Flags. That's our talk show. We've got a couple other limited series coming out. So that's my plug, I guess, is, is for anything and everything. Yeah, and we'll be sure to, you, we'll be sure to follow you. <laughs> if, if, if all of you don't follow me already i'll be very sad i know i've seen the notifications are very great i just swiped left uh <laughs> katie i wouldn't i wouldn't do it on my own volition but i would because you told me to there <laughs> beautiful clark beautiful uh you can find homo superior on itunes spotify and twitter at homo superior x uh, we have been Homo Superior. Do not watch Wonder Woman 1984. Thank you <laughs> and have a wonderful day. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>